Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Saw this story on Global News last night and also we've been uh, talking about it today. And I just wanted to delve into it a little bit more because we have had many conversations about neighbors that you just can't get rid of. And it's one thing to put up with a neighbor who seems to have too many cars parked out front. It's another thing when you know that this neighbor is selling drugs. How difficult is it to get that neighbor out? I want to talk with Mike Letourneau, Sheriff's Branch in charge of the Safer Communities and Neighborhoods Unit, or SCAN, joining us today. Hello, Mr. Letourneau. Hi, Angela. Thanks for having me. How long has SCAN been around? Since 2008. How did it come up, come to be? So back, you know, back in 2008, um, there was a, obviously there was a, some there was a need um, for this type of SCAN legislation because what was happening is, as we all know, uh, the, the police services are doing an amazing job at uh, at getting in and dealing with the people and arresting them, but they're they're getting released. And uh, in these type of scenarios, what would happen is a house uh, that was an active drug house, uh, the police would go in and do a search warrant and they would do their job and arrest these people and then they would be released and the problem would continue to exist. So um, in, in this type of situation, um, more often than not, uh, we're coming across investigations where people are, quite frankly, genuinely scared and uh, they really need our help. So. Uh, this is one of those uh, files at Aaron Place that it really highlights why the SCAN team was developed and uh, and really why SCAN legislation is just so critical to the citizens of Alberta. It's a it's a legislation uh, that is a civil legislation and it targets the property and not the people. So that's an important point because although we go after the homeowner and the property. Um, the police services that we coordinate with go after the people. So they still do lay criminal charges. They still do search warrants on these type of properties. But we share information with them readily for these type of things to happen. Give us a bit more detail, Mike, for people who maybe haven't seen the story or haven't heard us talking about it. What was happening in the neighborhood of Aaron Woods? So in this particular neighborhood, the, the way this file came about is a CPS member actually was in the area on a totally unrelated matter um, uh, was speaking with a complainant, and they had mentioned that there was a drug house. Now, uh, that information was passed on, and uh, the CPS member said that, please contact SCAN, and he was very familiar with us. And that complainant was, uh, of course, brave to do that and trusted that we were going to look after things. So I say that because there were five complainants on this file, and uh, they were all extremely scared of the activities in and around this property. And it, it, there's a really unique provision in our legislation, and, it, and it's so, so critical that complainants are 100% uh, confidential. All their information is confidential. We don't share that information with the courts. We don't share it with any law enforcement agencies. We don't share it to any other public body. And the, the, really that relationship that's built when that complainant calls in is between our analyst and our investigators, and that's it. It goes no further. But I can still see as a neighbor, even though, yes, your identity is protected, it's not shared with anyone else. However, if I'm the homeowner and suddenly cops are coming in and busting me for a drug house, I'm pretty sure it's one of my neighbors. Usually you're right. And usually it's several in a neighborhood, right? Like in this case. So 
um, more often than not, the people in those homes are kind of dealing with their own issues. Uh, we, we don't see, uh, we haven't seen incidents of mm. um, complainants being threatened. What does drug activity look like? So that's, and that's a really important question because the drug activity that people should be watching for is, of course, we all know the stereotypical, um, perhaps homeless or perhaps down on their luck. They're um, maybe not, uh, maybe they look drug related, maybe they're staggering. Um, that type of person going in and out of properties regularly. So the frequency of people going in and out of that property, whether it be in the daytime or nighttime, is critical. And you're also looking for people that are going into the house for five minutes and then exiting. And that's more often than not a drug transaction. And you'll see frequency of those. And Another thing that you know people can focus on is when a homeowner leaves their house and goes to a vehicle passenger side or hops in the back of a vehicle 30 seconds and they're out and they're back to their own house, those are really good signs. Um, you're, maybe you're looking at houses that you don't really know the owners and you don't see them a lot, so they're kind of secretive. Um, other things, perhaps they've put up, uh, they've made investments in home security, so they put up security cameras and other things. Maybe they're neglecting their yards, um, that type of idea. Now, here's the other thing I have to point out. It was, I believe that I'm reading in the article, it was April 17th when uh, your unit started investigating. Right. And so now it's April 2018. Right. Uh, tell me the process, because I think some of my listeners will say, it took a year to close this house down? Yeah, it's incredible. Um, that, that's actually not um, too uncommon, to be honest. There have been some as little as three months, but drug activity is not always steady either. So when we investigate these properties, our investigators, um, they make sure that they're, they're providing a reasonable probable grounds for their affidavits. So they're, they're going well and beyond what's required in our legislation, which, just, which is merely a suspicion of drug activity. Mm-hmm. So they make sure they have the evidence so that when we go to Queen's Bench Court, we want to make sure we put a really good application forward for our litigators. And um, in, in this specific situation. Um, Really, everything was flowing quite nicely. So the investigators did their investigation. It got to the stage where they were able to prove that drug activity was occurring. They issued a warning letter to cease and desist all activities at the property, Mm -hmm. and the owner continued. So they continued to gather evidence, and that brought us to just about December of 2017, at which point uh, it, the the application was filed, but then we hit some adjournments in the courts. So, of course, everybody's entitled to uh, to legal representation, and that's what happened in this case: is the owner had a lawyer and then dropped the lawyer and then had another lawyer and got some adjournments out of it, and it brought us to present time, right? So in April here, and the action is putting up the fence and closing off the house for 90 days? Yeah, so this is an extreme, this is this extreme action. We don't always go to do this. It's just that this is a homeowner that is involved in the drug trade. And um, the homeowner clearly uh, was not compliant. So we had to go to the max, tried to get the maximum we could get out of our legislation was a 90-day closure of the property where it's fence boarded up, all the locks changed. And then, of course, um, everybody's evicted from the property for 90 days. And that homeowner is facing charges? 
So the I can't speak to the criminal charges. I know that CPS is dealing with the homeowner, mm-hmm. but I don't know specifically what they're dealing with. Okay. So you're not sure if they're even facing any charges? I don't know that for sure, no. I guess that's why I thought if you work with the police, you're saying we're doing our best to look at the property. You guys look at the people because 90 days goes pretty quickly for a community that has been worried about drugs in their neighborhood. And in 90 days, you have to take the fence down, don't you? I mean, that, yeah. that's all you can lock it up for. So the owner could be back in there in three months. The owner could go back. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think it, one of the judges said it best in Queen's Bench Court in one of our files. And he said, you know, this community needs a break. It, it just quite frankly, it needs a break. And, and putting a fence around it will hopefully at least break the cycle of this constant activity. And, they, mm. and, uh, and hopefully we just, we get this break and we're not going to leave this alone. We've talked to the complainants. We said, if he goes back to the property, you know, in worst case scenario, he goes back and he wants to start up again, then uh, we'll be back there again. So. And, and is this homeowner a landlord or it's someone who actually lives in the house? No, he owns the property and he lives in the property. Okay, yeah. so he does. All right, I want to take a break here, Mike. Uh, just a few more questions on the scan unit. I, I'm curious how busy it has been since 2008, so I'm giving you a chance to rack your brain to give me some details on that. Mike Letourneau, he is the Sheriff's Branch in charge of the Safer Communities and Neighborhoods Unit, or SCAN. And, and I think a lot of you, when we've talked about communities misbehaving in the past, have said, who do I turn to? We'll find out how you do that after this. Talking about SCAN, or the Safer Communities and Neighborhoods Unit, it's been around since 2008. Mike Letourneau, Sheriff's Branch, in charge of SCAN. Mike, I'm getting a lot of texts here, but one person just says, OMG, thank you for this program. I'm not sure if they're saying thank you for putting this program on the air or thank you for even having SCAN. But you can understand how some neighborhoods and neighbors are just at wit's end in some situations and they're saying i'm not getting anywhere with the police where do i go from here can you give me an idea mike since it started in 2008 and this is right across the province isn't it absolutely yeah so So, uh, can we focus on calgary as far as how many homes or properties have been impacted by this it's uh it's a little easier if we went with maybe southern alberta but just to give you an idea there's been since inception in 2008, there's been 42 community safety orders in the south. Now, there's been a total of 72 in the province, which is enormous. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's big numbers. And then the files, basically, uh, we've handled about 4,257, actually, files since 2008. So you've handled those files. They haven't all necessarily ended up with orders. Exactly. So, like I said, we don't have to always go to a community safety order because it's important to know we we work with the landlords. And in cases of landlords where they want to evict tenants and they have bad tenants, we work with them right through the entire process. And sometimes it's an informal warning to tenants and sometimes it, it goes to a warning letter. And sometimes it goes to an informal resolution where we have to go to uh, a court process, which is called the Residential Tenancy Dispute Resolution Services. It's a, it's a mouthful. Yeah. But we can go to that process and we can act as witnesses for the landlord and we help them out to get these evictions. So it's not always a CSO. Well, I've got a listener who sure needs your help. Uh, the person says, it is impossible. I have two rental homes that are drug houses. We can do nothing. Police are all over it, but the renters are still in the houses. 
help. And the person put that in uppercase letters. So they need help. So your your advice to this person then would be to reach out to SCAM? Absolutely. And it's super easy to do. So uh, I'll, I'll read the number for you. It's just one 960 7226. So that's that's if you want to speak to our analyst immediately, of mm-hmm. course. And the other way that's, uh, that's also really easy is just Google uh, Scan Sheriff Alberta. Scan Sheriff's Alberta. And it'll bring you up. That'll be the first thing you see, and it'll bring you up. You click on Safer Communities and Neighborhoods, and it gives you a really nice link, really slick. And even though we call it Safer Communities and Neighborhoods, ultimately it's getting rid of drug houses, isn't it? Because you might have people saying, uh, having other complaints, but is this focused on drug houses or drug activity in neighborhoods? Yeah, that's excellent, Angela. So we, we are mandated to deal with specific things. We don't deal with party houses. We don't deal with uh, uh, neighbor disputes, those yeah. type of things. So we deal with drug houses. That's mandated in our act. And we deal with child sexual abuse cases. And we deal with prostitution and we deal with gang or criminal organizations and that type of activity. Okay. And we deal with um, gaming and liquor act offenses, like if you're you had a, a running a distillery. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and we deal uh, consumption of intoxicants, that sort of idea. So primarily, um, almost I could almost say 99% of the time we're going forward with at least um, a drug community safety order application. I'm glad you mentioned those other ones, though. When you talk about child sexual abuse, prostitution, I mean, yeah, there are some neighborhoods who are dealing with all those things as well, but I guess I thought SCAN always was just if you had concerns about a drug house. Yeah, no, it's just more, drugs is certainly more predominant, but uh, sometimes they all cross over too, right? Who are the investigators? So the investigators come from a sheriff background as well as ex-policemen. So there's some retired policemen in here that have had uh, probably in total 40 years of law enforcement under their belt. And then um, there's some sheriffs in here as well, a a large majority of sheriffs that have come up through the courthouses and uh, worked hard and uh, they earned it. They've earned their spot in here and... uh, uh, we have two sheriffs currently that have been with us since uh, in the South that have been with us since 2008. Another text says, I had a guy selling drugs next door to me. I let him know I was filming everything going on. He moved very soon. Now, I, I, there's one thing that bothers me about this text is good on that person to s- sort of meet the neighbor face to face and say, you know, I know what's going on. And that's why I always believe in saying hi to my neighbor. Hey, just so you know, I'm, I'm aware you're there. But my concern would be if that person found out he was filming, you might be putting yourself in a, a situation where there's retaliation. I agree, Angela. That's uh, and that's a very valid point. I mean, our complainants are excellent at watching what's occurring, and oftentimes they obsess over it, right? Because it, it consumes their lives, yeah, essentially. Well. And uh, we, our investigators caution them, of course, saying, you know what, it's not absolutely necessary we get the evidence, so don't put yourself at risk. We yeah. can get the evidence in many other ways. I think there's nothing harmful to say, hey, uh, hi, I'm your neighbor. You don't have to go so far. Because I think even when these people who are maybe operating these houses, if they realize people are just watching and we're a neighborhood that is very aware of everyone, that's uh, sometimes enough of a warning. Here's a here's a text. Um, hi, hey, Ange. Scan is amazing. I live in Granham and had... Um, His house burnt down, but he is still around. Let's see. So I had a drug dealer across the street for years. I finally
only contacted Scan as the RCMP were as frustrating, uh, frustrated about it as we were. They were in contact almost immediately. I'm assuming Scan was in contact almost immediately. Made me completely comfortable talking to them and sharing information. They even set up a surveillance vehicle. Unfortunately, the slime ball has a sixth sense, and it got very quiet. We are still in contact with the hope of getting this jerk off the street. Again, they are amazing. That text comes from Jackie. So that's probably a situation, Mike, where you say you're working with a complainant. Doesn't always end up in an order, but maybe if nothing else, Jackie's got a, a quieter house in the neighborhood as opposed to what was happening before. Yeah, exactly. And that's and uh, I'd like to thank that caller. Of course, that's very nice. Uh, and it it's uh, it's one of we never we never stop. So if that person's still in that property, and even though um, it's very common for drug activity to slow down, as an example, maybe they maybe people leave because they uh, they no longer want to be at that residence. Maybe they got arrested. Maybe because it could be a change of people in the household, of course. And sometimes drug activity slows down. Is, is just the way it is. Um, mm. And if it picks up again, every complainant knows that if that activity picks up again, those files become an immediate priority for us. The number one eight six six nine six zero seven two two six to be able to speak with an analyst or you can Google scan Sheriff's Alberta. Is that correct, Mike? Absolutely, yeah. And either way, they will eventually speak to an analyst or an investigator. Thanks so much for telling us about it. And thanks for having us, Angela. I really appreciate hey, it. Hey, you bet, Mike. Mike Letourneau, Sheriff's Branch in charge of Safer Communities and Neighborhoods Unit. I'm still getting a lot of texts because it's frustrating. Uh, you know, when you start to hear about some of the, the cases they deal with, and also it's frustrating when you have other issues with your neighbors. We know there's the the good neighbor community standards bylaw here in Calgary. I'll take some more of your texts. If you want to call in, you can do that as well. 403-974-8255. We'll hear from you after the news.